Welcome to your new favorite band, the podcast brought to you by the LA Navy. And now, your hosts, Dallas Dwight and Drizzle Silvera. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome back to your new favorite band, the podcast brought to you by us, the LA Maybe. I am Dallas Dwight. Wish me as always, wish me, with me as always, my co-host. And oh, friend. I wish you uh, way better luck at speaking tonight. <laughs> uh, Drizzle we're, Silvera. We're already starting like this, man. Already with the ball busting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let it commence. How's All it going, right. my friend? Oh, dude. Oh, 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 I just I just gave it away. Oh, no. I just gave it away. It's yeah, our, it's me, our first me guess. Me loking on the switcher here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, I'm doing great. Why don't I'm excited. You, you spoiled it now. You got to spoil it. All right. So, uh, sitting right next to me here, uh, long time friend. We've been, we've been buddies. I don't know. Uh, 16 years now, maybe nearly 16 months. Just ago. about yeah, nearly six. Right. Yeah. 16 months, something like that. Uh, uh, and we've, we've grown up playing and, and messing with Iron Maiden, Metallica and writing originals and playing music, man. I like how you went full Pasadena. On yeah. Metallica. So, yeah. So right next to me, uh, we've got Mr. Mikey Marrero, my good friend. It's great to That's be me. here on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I've known Daryl. Obviously, I've known Dwight. Not as long. Not as long. But Daryl and I has a history that definitely shaped our musical experiences. Let's start from the origins. We were, what, 16 years old when we met? Uh, yeah, 15, 16 years old, uh, somewhere right around there. And uh, yeah, dude, we met through Fred Uptograft. That's right. Right? We got to have Fred on. Dude, I Fred can't. needs to be on this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, great you know what we got to do is all four. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> I dude. Say, yeah. I was with you on that. Dude, that would be a, that'd be an absolutely wild podcast. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm the odd man out, but I'm happy to be a part of it. Hey, man. Dude, Honestly, just, it's good to get to know you better, too, during this podcast. It's not. It's never good oh, for really? anyone. <laughs> Definitely not with this. It never guy. goes well for anyone. Yeah, yeah, dude. I started going cross-eyed ever since I started hanging out. With I you. know, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just a little bit, ten uh, percent every, you know, ten percent grade, a little more every year. <laughs> yeah, but for let's sure. go back. I want to hear more about. I want to hear more about how this started. Yeah, go for it, Mikey. Definitely. When did you guys start dating? Oh man, well, we were sixteen years old, and we started off just playing heavy rock and metal, like you and, said and earlier. Heavily bicurious, yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> So that kind of sparked this whole process of playing music together, getting in a band together, having Fred and his dad kind of orchestrating our rehearsal experience, and what eventually led to a lot of the musicianship and skills that we have accumulated to this day <laughs> in this moment. I was, uh, Drew, you were telling me about um, the early days, and, and we might have even talked about it on the podcast with the uh, the any ears and the rehearsals and yeah. all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. And you guys, you guys are really lucky to have that. That's not something that you know every garage band gets so no right that's Definitely um, not i think in a way you get maybe spoiled from that you know because then you go to a garage band and you're like where are in-ears and everybody's like what dude like, <laughs> like, i can't hear myself flawlessly it. like it's like yeah. yeah no of course not yeah <laughs> this is how it is for the rest of us yeah spoiled is a good word for it yeah because then you do go in other situations and people yeah. acknowledge you're kind of stuck upness right due to that situation yeah i mean yeah maybe maybe not but, but we still yeah. had those amp days in the garage you right. know like yeah. so but that wasn't very long, <laughs> you really? know. That wasn't like long lived. That was like a couple years, and then we're on, you know, boom, we're on in ears, right? Oh, so. yeah. oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And then you, yeah, from the garage band days to the in ears. Yeah, and I think that, yeah. um, church musicians in particular, worship musicians, they come up with, uh, a, I think, a different. There's, there's maybe a different trajectory with the in ears and the rehearsals and the drum shields and you know, in practicing in the sanctuary and all this stuff. And, yeah, and, and uh, so it's funny. We were we were rock and rollers who got like. Hooked into like, the church exactly, thing. Yeah. So, because uh, Fred's dad, who put out an album, was like, heard us jamming in the garage, and we're like jamming Maiden and Dream Theater and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. And he's like, these guys are pretty good. What if I just make them my band and they travel to different That's churches really with me? So, what, okay, so what were, what was like that early set list? That early set list? Yeah, I know the bands, but what were the songs? Oh, dude. Um, with well, the Maiden tunes and well, the stuff we were. Jamming in yeah. garage, yeah. Dream Theater made Metallica. Oh, what dude, songs? Ace is high. Uh, a lot of stuff from that whole album from Power Slave, right? Uh, Avenged Sevenfold. I believe there was a couple songs in there, oh, like Bat Country. Oh yeah, and those things. <laughs> Scream, dude. I remember playing oh, Scream. Ah, Scream. I played yeah. Scream with one of my students at yeah. Gig Night. Nice, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good song, man. Oh, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. and you guys know the story about Scream, right? Uh -uh. Zachy Vengeance was at a. Uh, 
you know, the uh, slot machines, and he heard the sound playing from the slot machine. He's like, you know, it'd be cool if I turned that into a guitar riff. And so that's what ended up being that opening riff. That was Zachy Vengeance who wrote that riff. Yeah. Oh, dang. I would have just automatically assumed like Sinister wrote that one, right? Oh, yeah. I thought so, too. That's not an easy riff. It's really cool. It's really odd, diminished. I wonder if he maybe... I wonder if he maybe like adjusted that, you know, because like I, I don't know slot machines. I feel like I've I've been around casinos and they they usually play like happy major sounds. Yeah, gotcha. A diminished arpeggio, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he maybe embellished. It's that. like you won money and it's just like the most like <laughs> disturbing <laughs> like. Yeah, it's like that's Although, not dude, very some happy. Some of them, some are weird, man. There is at Player One Up where we recorded the video for O Sugar. There's a. Uh, pinball machine that only plays uh, seven by primus yeah that was yeah <laughs> dude that, that <laughs> pinball machine was amazing <laughs> it was the weirdest thing yeah. I, I think it's called seven the magnificent seven the it was something something like that. seven yeah. yeah it's off uh, color it's about colors it's weird anyway uh it's a weird song and it's i think it's in seven eight or something like that and i'm just sitting here watching one of you guys film and i'm hearing this like seven eight groove that's like grooving really hard and i'm just like that's what is this it was awesome yeah, I had to like hunt it down, but we figured out it was Primus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and it was a Paps Blue Ribbon. It was a Paps Blue yeah. Ribbon sponsored Primus pinball it was, machine. It was a weird that was traveling that. to yeah. different, uh, different. Uh, what do you call them? Different arcades, mm-hmm. so that you know you'd get it for so many weeks, and then it would go to another car- arcade. So yeah, Man. that's crazy. Anyways, back to uh, Avenged Sevenfold, and and our s- we didn't really have a set list. We were just kind of like jamming. What dream theater were you playing though? Uh, so pull me under. Mikey was really the the dream theater player. Um, so let him get, get yeah, it, it was more like I just learned a bunch of Petrucci licks, and then I just showed up, and then Fred would just start jamming. Nice. And really Were you doing like Glasgow Kiss. Oh, like you from know, the solo album. Basically, images and words. Oh, gotcha. Uh, maybe some stuff from Awake. You know, dude, even really the early a lot stuff. of it. Yeah, even early liquid tension experiment, right? So. Yeah, Octavarium. Those different kinds of things. There were a lot of great riffs on there. Yeah. And uh, um, Count of Tuscany, you know, I remember walls, jamming that. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Count of Tuscany. I love that album, the Black Clouds album. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That, was that song's only 19 minutes. So. Only 19. That yeah. album came out when we went on that beach trip. Yes, it did. I bought that album, brought it on the beach trip. Dude, Attack of the Jellies. Do you oh, remember dude. when we fucking got annihilated by jellyfish? You guys peeing on each other? <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. That's the only Before. cure. Before. the only cure. <laughs> yeah, I said a guy who really liked getting peed on. It really is. There's no base in science. <laughs> He's just like, it's the only way to stop yeah. the pain. And it feels good. Yeah. R. Kelly's like, I thought you got stung by jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor. I... <laughs> That's great. There was a jellyfish present. He's got one. Like He brings one around. He's just like, they're dangerous. <laughs> just holding it up. Watch out. Preventative. Preventative medicine. <laughs> That's great. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Are you? <laughs> that summer consisted of a lot of ping pong. Lots of ping pong. Lots oh, yeah. of just learning and, and theory. And, it was like uh, guitar boot camp. Really? While on vacation. On the beach trip? Oh, oh yeah. dude, yeah. How did it yeah. turn into that? I'm interested. Uh, well, oh, well, you know, Daryl and I grew up playing guitar, and it's been obviously a passion and hobby of mine since I was 11 years old. And so I'm always on the quest for finding new techniques, new skills, new ways to play things. And obviously during the time, I was very motivated with that. So Daryl coming along to us being guitar players in the same band, it was only fair that we would kind of, you know, kind of go back and forth, sharpening that iron, if you will, you know, throughout the experience. It was great. We learned a lot about each other. We learned a lot about music during the time. And it made us tighter as players during that era, you know, whenever we did start playing in the church. You know, and a lot of that transpired from a lot of the music I was writing. I was going through a uh, identity identity crisis, uh, a, a sense of not only where I fit in society, but spiritually as well. You know, and the church seemed to accept a lot of these crazy musical, you know, situations. Particularly right off the, the church we were at. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, how do you get away with playing metal at church? You know yeah. what I mean? And there's a bunch of videos on YouTube that people can watch with Fall of Ashes and, and that era. And a lot of people remember that time. But you know what? The church appreciated that because it was something fresh. It was something new. There's this conformity that occurs with modern day worship music mm-hmm. that it needs to evolve. Well, and and I have to say this about because a lot of the songs lyrically you wrote, I think oh, yeah. all, almost all of them. And uh, so 
Oh uh, yeah, all of them, yeah. pretty much, except for that one I did, which was kind of dumb. But Absolutely, hindsight, I'm like, oh, you're gonna God. sing it for us here now. That's awesome. Yeah, Thank no, you so I don't much. even remember it. Oh, I blocked oh, it out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was about to say it's so many years ago, dude. It's yeah, unreal. But um, yeah, so anyways, uh, but but where Mikey came from was like just like this cool place of like like total just like honesty in his lyrics, which was like cool, and it was like too metal and it had the rise and fall it wasn't just all metal it was really melodic like the, the chord progressions evoked emotion right. stuff like that and I'm, and I'm kind of speaking for mikey but my experience no, from the, the music Go that ahead. you know we were playing together and and not very often if if ever were we ever playing the same notes no. so like uh you know so much harmony There's so much of, yeah a lot of events yeah, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and and not just Avenged sevenfold but like mikey was really getting into like chord like different chords like inversions and mikey's like do you know you play this while yeah you know while i play this and and so we stayed out of each other's you know yeah. hair well I, I always studied harmony new uh inversions like he said uh ways to approach chord progressions that isn't necessarily what has been done before obviously a lot of what we're going to be kind of regurgitating is stuff that we've done before However, through a lot of the classical harmony in particular, it opened up my eyes to a lot of diminished chords. You were talking about diminished arpeggios earlier with the slot machines and how those are great gateway chords, even in a standard four chord progression. Anyway, so I was learning a lot of this stuff from school. I went for classical guitar performance and uh, composition and theory and stuff like that and opened up my ear to a lot of like Gregorian chant. Yeah. Renaissance sure. vocal music, the golden age of polyphony, multiple moving parts. So when it comes to the rock band orchestration, then it was like applying these principles within the rock ensemble. You know, uh, a lot of guitar players in rock can get away with playing some of the same chords together. And for good reason, you get that double effect sound of having just that wall of energy. Yeah. It's nice when you can still have that wall of energy by using inversions to complement the other guitar players, even basic power chord. And some of that was kind of orchestrated in some of the work we were doing earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this couple two cents about that aspect of uh, uh, some of the learning and uh, some of the stuff we implemented in some of that early music. And it's something that I implement in a lot of my solo music as well, which uh, my single, Aire Caliente, Shameful plug is out, and so definitely check that out. You can hear a lot of how the influences have morphed. Spell it, spell it for our folks out there who are not inclined to. Aire caliente, A I R E C A L yente. Okay. <laughs> so that being said, um, you can hear in that in that single uh, the dream theater influence, the moving time signatures, but the Latin influence that's kind of embedded in my blood naturally, rhythmically. And so it's mixing those elements, the odd time meters with the Latin rhythms, uh, with some of the virtuosity that comes from the rock and metal playing, mm -hmm. especially in the guitar solo, if you listen, it's with a driven tone. So I'm always going to have that aspect of my identity. And earlier, right, it was right. about my identity crisis. And now I had to go through this path. Oh, I got to learn classical. I got to learn this. Because if I just do one thing, I'm a one-trick pony. And this is something that kind of ate at my brain, hence the need to study and incorporate all of my influences in the music that I do now. So I think Aire Caliente is a good uh, uh, part, uh, an earlier milestone of my evolution, but it continues to go from there, you know, with a lot of that's new awesome. stuff that's going to be coming out. Yeah, I, I think I went through, I think I went through something similar. In, in, so when you were going through this crisis, was that what, high school? <sighs> well, it, it was way earlier than that. Middle school was, okay. I, I think we all started trying to find our identity oh, man, they're cool. Let me go hang out with them. Or, dang, she's hot, but she hangs out with this group. I have to fix an aspect of myself to fit in. Your, 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 your concept of, me, of I, you know, and, and where I stand, my self-image. Really. It's just called puberty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Specifically, musically, I went through it. All my friends were wanting to play metal. Everyone was, every drummer I knew wanted to just double kick as fast as he could. And, and I was like, just wanted to play rock, you know? And um, I had I went through a phase of like trying all this different stuff, and then realized that like, dude, I'm just a rock guy. Like that's just yeah. who I'm going to be, and that's where I'll find my niche. And in, instead of trying to be good at all this other stuff that doesn't bring me as much joy as just playing A G and D does, like yeah, <laughs> I'll just play A G and D better than the next guy, hopefully, and that'll just yeah. be my thing. Because <laughs> that's you know that's what I bring to the table, <laughs> which is something that I admire because artists will spend a lot of time delving into deeper levels of musicality only to create a work of art 
that is meaningful to them and hopefully other right. people. Uh, I, I mentioned to you this to you earlier before the podcast. Persistence is key, whether if it's building this podcast studio and all the funds that are going to be coming in for the podcast studio. But it's also more than that. It's how you can transform AGD whatever into songs that people like. Uh, getting them done. Uh, creating this to amplify the LA Maybe brand. So what you're doing speaks volumes uh, over an artist trying to find self-configuration within himself. Right. Persistency, I think, is key, which is something I admire about your work with LA Maybe. Oh, yeah, thanks, And man. how the transition of what Daryl's gone from when we were working together yeah. uh, to where he is now with w- what you guys are doing, which, which, which anyway... Yeah, it's interesting. It's he was, he was, uh, Mikey, you were talking about the, uh, almost talking about you like he's not here. He was talking about, <laughs> yeah. He was, you were talking about the, uh, the kind of twin guitar attack and the, and the playing different oh, things. Yeah. And we've, we definitely implement that in our, in our stuff as well. Yeah. But we, we do also use, you know, playing the same exact thing is, isn't something I view to be avoided necessarily. It's just another tool in the belt, you know? Absolutely. So, like, it's not even necessarily the default. It's like, hey, we'll, we'll go apart and play our own thing here, and then for this part, we're going to come back together and play the exact same thing, so it just hits you over the head, and then we'll go apart and do our own thing, mm-hmm. and then we'll go here, and then we'll go there, and we, we kind of weave all this stuff in and out, And because uh, I kind of kind of come from that school of well, as well as, like, you know, we have, we have two players, we have two paintbrushes, let's paint different things. Let's not just trace each, you know, the same line or whatever. And that, um, especially live, creates a, a more full, like, sonic palette. Oh, for sure. Um, in the studio, you could do whatever you want. Doesn't matter, you know. We yeah. use twelve guitars in our songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. every every chorus is like ten guitar parts. Right. Live, we only have two, so we have to kind of condense it down. And we've tried to do that in some creative ways, and we have to leave some by the wayside. But um, it's definitely something that we think about. Pretty, long, pretty as long as the essence is captured, you yeah. know, like you yeah, nobody. Can, yeah, exactly. Nobody could play the part that we leave out, you know, like right. by listening. You wouldn't know. You barely even know it's there to begin with. Yeah. yeah. You just hear the stuff that's most prominent but mm-hmm. between the two of us. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, when we create all the parts, it's easy for us to decide like, oh, well, these are clearly the two most important. Yeah. Or like the rhythm has to be there. And then like, let's pick our favorite lead or like the most important lead that adds the most to the chords. Yeah. And go from there, you know. Exactly. Exactly. I like how you said it was a color palette. And yeah. You have two frame brushes. I'm a big fan it. of analogies. <laughs> totally. And it's all about the tools that you have to work with. And it's something that is something ringing over Somebody's there. Somebody's phone ring? Yeah. Is that yours, Mikey? No, mine's off. Is that yours? Sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> again. I think my phone just started playing music. That's yeah, amazing. It, it just started playing music. Okay, cool. Nice. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great what you guys do. And you're so right driving it whenever the two come together, especially during choruses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, or even just, just some cool riffs that just need that extra little, you know. Yeah. It's just a constant, like, weaving in and out. Yeah. There's no hard and fast rule of, like, the chorus, we have to do this. You know, it's just... Or, like, it or sounds intro, like you know? it's the same part, but we're actually playing something, like, approaching it a little differently to where, yeah. you know, exactly. Just kind of comes together. It's interesting, though. I think... Um, there's definitely a part of us that's overthinking all of this, and that because when you tr- when you when it uh, transfers live, when you convey it live, like so much is lost. No, true. <laughs> like, yeah. Like because first of all, a lot's lost just because you're in a room, and you know the person's not really paying attention maybe at that part or whatever. And then also you got to remember we're playing for a, you know casual music fans who may not be musicians, and so we're we're only able to see out of our own head. We're only able to think. Oh, I gotta play this mix of Liddy and Lick right, and the person in the back just like feels good. Like they don't have an idea, they don't have a clue, you know, and, yeah. and they shouldn't have a clue. And I think it's important for us to try to get out of our own heads as well. Well, you you have to. I mean, otherwise you're just you start freezing, you start going, you know, thinking about it instead of flowing, yeah. right? And um, and so that's that's so important. And I and I, I I've got students, and I, and I try to tell my students, you know, in practice, like you gotta get you've got to get familiar enough with the what you're learning to where you can play it without thinking about it. Yeah. The muscle memory's there, which means you're in a state where you can start to flow yeah. and just, you know, start picking up other things. Like, especially if you want to start singing and playing a guitar part, that guitar part better be muscle memory mm-hmm. or truly performing, you know, yeah. Head banging, going nuts, lights are in your face. Uh, we played a gig the other day where they turned on strobe lights. Oh, we dude. didn't, we didn't know they had strobe lights. And if yeah. you've never played under strobe lights, it, it's basically looks like everything's moving. Like, real jerky oh, like yeah. so you're, you're looking down playing something fast and like your hand looks like it's flashing and yeah. you have 
no idea if you're like you just you, there's all these other things like, like you better know what you're playing like a scene yeah. from a movie where someone like gets dosed on like drugs and they're like <laughs> about to pass out it's just like flash 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 and they're yeah. at a different point you're getting yeah. like every fourth frame of yeah, like what's exactly, going on. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> oh wait this is the wrong area of the fretboard yeah. oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> or uh we played a gig one time where we were testing out we, we did a guns and roses tribute for a gig and we did a test to see how it would work and uh, it was halloween i think oh remember yeah that? yeah I remember so we that. were able to to Put the costumes on and play it off like, oh, it's Halloween, you know, we'll, we'll wear Guns N' Roses for the night and play in fun. And um, I remember I had the aviator glasses on that are super dark. And uh, I had the wig in my face and the hat down low. And they pulled the, they turned the lights down. And I'm supposed to start the song. And I look down and just blackness. I, just, <laughs> I couldn't even see a guitar on my body. Like, I had no idea if I was on the right fret. I'm like, oh. Did we I, start that I with Mr. Was, Brownstone? I definitely was not on the right fret, by the way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was a fun one. And then the first few notes I played, and then my glasses just completely fogged up. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I remember you anything. saying that. I remember you saying that. <laughs> dude, I ended up taking my glasses off very quickly in that <laughs> gig. I'm like, fuck this. We were in like a shit. tiny little bar in like a corner. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, yeah. We may have started with Brownstone, yeah. You got to know your shit in situations like that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, how are you going to navigate through? It has to be subconscious. It has to yeah. be muscle memory at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but if you can't even, they don't even know your starting point. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, <laughs> yeah. so like, once yeah. I get started, right I can find beat. it. But like, I have no idea yeah. where I'm supposed to be starting. Exactly. Uh, DJ Ashba was playing with Guns N' Roses for a while and they started a song. Uh, um, I think they started the set with the song Chinese Democracy. And he was talking about how every, they, they control their entire stage. So everywhere they played, he'd start the song in complete pitch blackness. So he had a special guitar made with uh, glow in the dark inlays. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he, just for that song. So he knew like, okay, I'll start at the right spot at least, you know? That's it's wild. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's insane. I love stories like that. Same, same. I had I had a guitar, that Charvel, for a very brief p- oh, moment in time. That, that, uh, that black one. My seven it. string. That's, yeah, the, that black the, um, one. The orange Misha one has glow-in-the-dark inlays. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, gotcha. That's a cool thing, but in, not super helpful for like a studio guitar, you know. Yeah. <laughs> True. It's just kind of cool. <laughs> Did you have one? A Misha Mansour guitar? Or, a or anything, anything that glue in the dark? No, nothing. Glue? If anything, the Ibanez uh, RG that I had uh-huh. was almost like that Steve Y finish. So naturally had a fluorescent kind of hue oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. whatever scenario or situation right. was going on. So that was a great guitar. Uh, one transition that was hard for me playing guitar especially was moving from Ibanez and X, which I grew up on, the flat radius, moving on to something like Stratty yeah, or Les Pauly. Yeah. You know? The way it forces just your whole left-hand technique and demeanor and everything like that. Sure, faster licks are easier. And some of the tones you get, the bite you get particularly, especially with those styles of guitars, whether it's Charville or Ibanez, is desirable for a lot of that style of music. Then I started gravitating more toward, um, you know, I play for a party band right now called the Right to Party. And so in those situations, you you, you almost need a strat. You need something that has the single-coil fatness, but clarity too you know and yeah. and so switching over to strat was definitely a huge challenge right after that so especially starting from a, a flatter scale neck and switching to then the radius that's like of the strat however tonally i think they excel in a, versus a lot of like the charville guitars mm-hmm. you know the vintage tones were always some of the greatest tones uh sought after uh, in any genre of music you know that's why it's cool i see you playing like les pauls i see you playing these really sweet semi hollow body style guitars like es type thing yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and and it those tones are timeless you know and it's you know but notice how when we were younger we all had those misha mansour guitars or we had the I charvels had the, uh, i had a bunch of ibanez s series oh dude, yeah, just yeah. turn it to insane bro yeah. turn yeah. it to uh, insane dude what are you doing on crutch oh, <laughs> oh man I, yeah what are you doing on crunch <laughs> <laughs> which was the best the green metal that was the best. Green one, dude, green oh, metal was yeah. you was could amazing. Chunk some yeah. good stuff. Yeah, you're right, man. I played many a gig with a Line Six Spider Jam, mm. and people would come up after and be like, "What amp are you using?" And I'd point to it, and they'd be like, "No, no, no like for real." And I'm like, <laughs> "That's the one." And they were like, "But it sounds so good." I was like, "That's because, dude, that's yeah, that's because yeah. green metal." That's yeah, how it was exactly, when we were dude. rocking those those GT tens. Oh, so we had the oh, Boss yeah. GT tens. Oh no, uh, Mikey had <laughs> oh, one yes. and I had one. Kind of like the one with the pedal. That's the yeah. one with the pedal and like and the two, the two, uh, the four knobs like that. Or the four. Buttons? No, no, no. The four. Uh, well, I'm thinking the of four the Digitech. The f- it actually had six. So bank up, bank down, and then yep. your four channels yep. for ba- per bank. And and I, 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 on multiple occasions, I had people come up to me like, you know, after or even during the show, 
I had a musician who played for a band before us come up to me and like we're in between songs. He's like, dude, what amp are you using? I'm like, what? Like I couldn't hear well, that one. He's like, what amp are you using? It was a guy named Seth Worley. And um and um I was just like to point down to my pedal. He's like, We're we'll use the amp. I was like, No, it's just all in this pedal. And then that's we're still, starting another song. Us. This was at yeah. Amos's South End when that's we were doing one today. of those yeah. One of the Fall of Ashes gigs. <laughs> yeah, one quads. of the Fall of Ashes gigs. Yeah. Yeah, that's still us. <laughs> with the quads, yeah. Everybody rolls in with all these cabs. We roll in with a backpack. Yeah. yeah. Like, the convenience though, man. I know. Which which I mean brings a good topic <laughs> of conversation here is um uh, how convenient digital is, but the replication of the amp modeling and the simulation is just starting to just be so close. How do you guys feel about using your systems? And oh, we're big besides <laughs> the convenience, I mean, I guess uh, before asking that question, uh, one thing that I struggle with with the digital unit in particular is, like I mentioned earlier, when you're trying to play something that is strat driving like like party music dance music think Niles Rogers or something like that where right, you right, have right. a strat and you're a lot kind of right hand funkin bro yeah. um, there's a tone that comes out of the tubes and the warmth of an amp that's that's fat and it sits in the mix with the way the high and the mid range all kind of coalesces together uh, it, it's it's so hard to find that in digital units now mind you I've only we've only you know like use the GT10 Use some of these uh, other amp modeling uh, simulators. You're using the Helix still, right? Yeah, the Helix. The, yeah. yeah, and I'll, I'll come back to the Helix, but really in particular, um, uh, the uh, what is it that you use? We use the Neural DSP Quad Cortex. So you guys are now Neural we, guys. Yeah, we yeah. both, yeah, we have one each. Because yeah. beforehand you were a Kemper guy. I still have my Kemper. Yeah, it just doesn't leave my studio now. It just stays in there. Nice. Yep. See, one thing I like about the Kemper, which I guess is also mirrored in the Quad Cortex, right? The um, the profiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Quad quads can profile, and they do a great job. Yep. Yeah, the profiling just seems, uh, and I haven't messed with profiling, so I, I have a biased opinion on my only experience. But getting that sort of sound I was talking about earlier to cut through the the fatness of tubes and amps, profiling would seem like it would do that a lot better than some of the other processors. It does. You know, hundred percent. And I haven't tried that yet, but you know, I guess the, the the tone I have in my head that I'm trying to seek out of a digital unit is something like a blackface twin that or blackface Fender style that uh, it's nice and fat, um, gives a little bit of breakup, but you're still hitting it and it's clean, you know. And then when you right. push it with pedals, dude, man, you can get great tones out of that. That's something a lot of people said about the Kemper in particular is that it takes pedals really well. It does. I don't know about the quad. I've never tried it. But so it was I never big, really tried it with the Kemper either, but I've heard that from a lot of people. John it was Mayer a big trend. Now. Yeah, it was a big trend uh, amongst... Because, you know... Uh, when worship was, artists as well. Yeah, worship artists because yeah. they were all using like these matchlesses and like Morgans and... AC30. Yeah, AC30s, uh, um, stuff like that, you know, boutique amps. And uh, and then I started seeing, you know, it was slow at first, but then it more and more started going to the Kemper. Yeah. But they still had their massive pedal boards. Yeah, which is essentially just four delay pedals. It's like, yeah. just have one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> four delays, multiple stacked verbs. You're not playing yeah. anything so good, we need to hear it eight times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the problem just is one, you one. mess up and you hear it on the next album. Yes. Right? <laughs> That's hilarious. So true. Oh, uh, yeah. You hit the a- accidental open string. Yeah, and you're, and you're you're on fret six. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not sounding great. Yeah, yeah, dude, you don't need to study much just to hold one note out, drenched yeah. in reverb and delay. People yeah. are feeling the Lord at that point. Yeah, just that's it, and hold nice. it there. You're hired, dude. I definitely yeah, think so. there's a connection because you know everyone says like, oh, do you, you know, in worship you start to feel the spirit, you start to feel the spirit. Well, I as a sound engineer noticed a definite correlation between Bass. how much people were feeling the spirit and how much sub I was turning yeah, that's up. It. In the- this is the spirit knob, you see? This is the spirit knob. And this was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I was like, it's okay, all right. All right, you really feel, you ready for some serious spirit? Let's get that bitch on up to so zero. So true, dude, yeah, dude. dude, man. In the gospel church, I mean, I can't speak highly for the gospel church, but I, I've seen a couple of uh, situations and scenarios very similar except the organ player. The organ player sits back behind there, right? And as, soon, as yeah. soon as they get their sounds and they start putting some chorus and modulation, everybody's yeah. like, oh, praise the Lord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is that instrument that sounds that good. Too, yes. I mean. That classic like church gospel type organ. Oh, dude, for sure. World, World Worship Center is that. Oh, Danny, Rod, yeah. Danny Rodriguez. Shout out to all of my World Worship 
people. I mean, my family, you know, outside of my family. Uh, Cedric Thompson, two-time Grammy winner, amazing, amazing band leader, producer, uh, all-around musician, father, grandfather, human being. Daniel Rodriguez. We've known him since those early days. Oh, dude, yeah. We ran into him uh, for a while. Shopping for stuff in the studio. For the studio, yeah, yeah. 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 At uh, um, uh, Home Depot. Home Depot, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, John Dillard is another amazing human being that I started becoming more acquainted with uh, being a part of the World Worship Church. Dude, it's crazy who they hire there at that oh, church, though. Like, the names, like, like literally, like celebrity status, you know, musicians, like mm -hmm. maybe not well-known, like a, like a big, big name celebrity, but like have played with these people have, you know, um, yeah. They're very humble like that. And and when we come together as brothers and we make music, there's a, there, there's, there's something else that's, that's, that's channeling. It's hard to say. I, I feel more of that thing when you're gelling with musicians and vibing right and just coming up with stuff. I call it Dick lightning. That's it. That's yeah. a great analogy. In this for case, it. church dick lightning. Church, yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude, yeah. I got so much dick lightning. Holy in church. dick lightning! <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it. Where's the Holy Spirit now? Nah, we man. had dick lightning the first time we ever played together, dude. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah dude, that was awesome. Jason Cook, we can thank him for that phrase. <laughs> oh shoot, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like, dude, yeah, it's like when you're jamming, dude. He was a total bro, like sounded like, you yeah, know. dude. He got a tattoo under his belly button. It was like a smiley face word, and it said awesomer. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> And that's all you need to know about everything about him. Yeah, exactly. Now you know everything about him as a person. So that being said, though, uh, the only other vibe that I feel outside of that situation is, which is the communication, the the connection in an improvisatorial setting, is some of the jazz situations I've been in. Knowing John Dillard has helped open me up into some of the jazz circuits, smooth jazz, Billboard artists, and stuff like that, and uh, and. So totally grateful to play a, a bunch of gigs at Middle C recently, man. But there is something cool about that kind of music. You know, you have the structured organization of everything, almost very much like a rock band scenario situation. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you guys open this up live. I've, I've seen you shred awesome solos during some of the covers and stuff you guys do. Like, uh, isn't she lovely? I think you do oh, a really yeah, good job yeah, on yeah, that yeah, one. That's the, the variety stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah the variety stuff. Um, but. There is something that opens up with you and your brothers or whoever you are playing music with uh, that, that's almost like a channel. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you believe in a particular spirituality or religion. Like, everybody's like, oh, dude, energy. Well, let's say everything comes from that energy, right? Well, that energy source is more susceptible in these moments of vulnerability that we have in live improvisatorial situations. Yeah. And being live in that situation is something that's very profound about music. It's one thing that pushes me. To, uh, to the height of my craft, to to try to be the best improviser I can be in that moment. Because in that moment, you're hearing melodies. And a lot of the times, it's very easy for us to run scale licks and run through the patterns and stuff like that. But to really capture the essence of, of something, a melody, if you will, in that situation is, is, in my opinion, something that makes music very humbling and music very uh, worth... Uh, worth pursuing and you know what whenever you open up that vulnerability people in the audience feel that there's something that they feel that opens up because everybody's in that state they're giving themselves a part of themselves to the audience and when they receive that some of these people will come up and be like man you know what dude i appreciated your bass playing or guitar playing or your drummer play when you did your solo there was something in there that just spoke to me man they could have been going through some rough situation whatever and uh, I, I, you know, so I correlate a lot of the stuff that had happened in the church with more secular situations, um, uh, particularly in, um, in, uh, in, in kind of the more improvisatorial jazz situation. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to, to share that little philosophy yeah, of life. Man. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that. that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to touch people with your music. That's it. And, and move people. And, and, and sometimes it's a different way. Some people want to go to a rock concert and just feel like come alive and just aggression and power yeah, yeah. And, and, totally. and then some people you know in certain areas you know uh, i guess you know you got your church where people are just like hungry you know like you did the church term hungry for you know feeling that that extra spiritual sense of things mm -hmm. the bass knob and um <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah good vibe feeling the subwoofer the bass yeah. the bass fader yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sub well yeah. that's actually something i'm, I'm i like that you talked about improvisation that way i've been thinking a lot about improvisation lately and 
nice how that even works you ever yeah. think about like when you improvise a solo and you're just like wait what just happened like, oh. <laughs> like i have no idea what just happened but i'm glad and and Driz, i'm glad we made the decision as a band to kind of come away from uh, the metronome and the tracks and stuff that we've been using live because it opens us up for those improvisation possibilities, which we exactly. do take advantage of when yeah. we're not on tracks. When we are on tracks, we can't take advantage of it because yeah. we're chained to this same exact, you know, to the microsecond thing that yeah. we do, which makes for a tight show. But it, but rock and roll isn't necessarily about being tight. It's about yeah. it's about having that energy and that vibe and 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 things every night being different and and nobody knowing what's coming next, including the people on stage a lot of times. Yeah. Like, like that's what rock and roll is. You know? Well, and you know, it's such a different world when you're playing rock and roll because, you know, you're talking about this thing and with jazz, you know, you're chilling a lot more. When we liken... When we do a performance, do you just like a war zone, it's, man? You get up, battle. you don't even Dude, know what happened. Battle, man. Like, You're swinging your guitar around, <laughs> head banging, like mm-hmm. hitting the red shit. I hope so. Just, yeah, you don't you know. Like, you don't know where you're, you're just yeah. like mm-hmm. so in it, rocking out. You don't you know? know where your brothers are. You just look up. There's one in your face. You're like, yeah. oh, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smack in the face. You go back down into your zone, like <laughs> that's it. Pouring man. sweat, like just you just yeah, everything's just a blur, and then it's over, and you're like, thank you, good night. You come off stage, like the fuck just happened. Like yeah, yeah, right. Oh yeah. Did we do good? I think yeah. I think, yeah, dude, we did good. Yeah, yeah. And it goes right. by so fast and so hard with those first hits, you know. Oh, dude, it's so fast and so like a you know three hour set we did at the juke joint didn't feel like three hours, you no. know. <laughs> and that went by fast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it is. It, that's the closest thing I could liken it to, I guess. Having never been in a war zone, which is probably very offensive to people who have been in a war zone. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> it's, it's you know. Like battle, it's it's our version of battle. You know? Well, dude, you're like trying to hit the right buttons. You're trying. Oh god, shit! I got to get back to the because you're trying to like move around stage. You're not. You if you're stationary on in our show, you're fucking up. Yeah. Right. Like if you're like unless you're like going to a lead and you need to make a change, like that's when you're stationary. You're like bouncing on one foot, yeah. about to hit that patch and at the right then time. You got to look then, cool doing it. Like, yeah, that's oh, where the fans come into play. The yeah. fans blowing your hair so you yeah. can at least look cool while you're making a patch stain, uh, patch change, patch, patch, patch stain, yeah. <laughs> patch stain. You should name one of your patches of that. <laughs> or next album. Huh? Hey, next by album. the way, actually, you mentioned patches. Patch we stain. actually have patches available ah. in the merch store now. Yes, LA Maybe patches. Head to lamaybe.com/store. That's the that's the plug of the day. But I'm super excited about patches because you have a lot of cool ones and um, I don't. So. Yeah, I mean, I got a couple cool ones, and I sewed them on myself. Nice. Half of them with an iron and half of them with, with actual You sewed thread. them on with an iron? Yeah. Interesting. So. You're t- you guys are talking about the energy of being in a rock band and just having that situation where it's full on the whole way, man. Yeah. Time goes by quickly. I-, I love that energy so much, and obviously it's something we grew up with, uh, yeah. all three of us. You know, so it's, I think what has resurfaced in my identity is uh, that passion and bringing it back into these new styles of music. Right. Because they totally dig that I'm not another George Benson. They right. They totally right, dig right, that I'm yeah. not another Pat Metheny or another one of these guys that's done that thing already with that tone, the ES-175 or, you know, a lot of the smooth jazz cats barely use distortion. Some, a lot, a lot of the modern ones do. Anyway, that's why I gravitate to fusion, fusion rock from the Chick Corea era and stuff like that. Frank and Bali, dude. Scott Greg Henderson. Howe. Greg Howe, dude. Oh my god! Uh, yes. That's my guy, dude. I knew it was oh, gonna go guy. here. I what? knew it was gonna go what? here. I was waiting yeah, for no, this no, moment. No, 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 he's my guy. Okay, I've interviewed Greg twice. Really? Yeah, man, he's a really cool guy. That's cool, man. Uh, but actually, something you were mentioning earlier, I wanted to go back to this real quick about sure. the, about the Ibanez necks. Yeah, yeah. I never knew what I what I didn't like about him until um for my old, from when I said I interviewed Greg, I had, an, I had an old podcast where we interviewed a bunch of musicians and stuff. I don't nice. do it anymore. It was called the Musicians Talk Show. One of those guys I interviewed was Joel Hoekstra, who plays with um, White Snake and a bunch of other people. Dude, in Night guitars. Ranger, just stupid good guitar yeah, that's player. Awesome, man. And um, he plays Les Pauls, and I asked him why he played Les Pauls, and he put it into words in a way that I that I realized I immediately was what I was thinking, but I just never had the words for it. He said he likes his guitar to fight back. Mm, he right. likes to he likes to. F- to have that fight. And I was like, yeah, that's why I like a Les Paul. Like the Ibanez is just like too easy. It's like slipping over ice. Like so I don't want right. that. I need that. Like that. Uh, what's the fucking word? Not traction, friction. You need that battle. Like you, you want that, like that fight with a guitar. Inertia. That's Inertia. Yeah. For. Okay, cool. You need that. Like, like running through sand. You need that little thing pulling you back. It's, I don't know. It's like a call Ibanez and response. To me just like, it what is, you give into ice. it is what it gives back. Yeah. And it's responded particularly in, 
you know, with those styles of guitars. More dynamic range, too, less compression. Not only is the Ibanez super slicky and not like floating on ice, but it kind of lacks some of the dynamics, and which was a big issue, which is why I had to transition. But I so agree with you on fighting with your guitar a little bit. That's why it was a harder transition with the Strat. Not yeah. only the neck radius change, but also because when, especially them being single coils as well, man, when you hit them the right way, they just yeah. really break up so yeah. nice. Humbuckers too, don't get me they wrong. They come alive. Oh, dude. You know, it, there's there's something about like a tube amp coming alive and, yeah. and a guitar that you have to fight a little bit or a record yeah. player when you spin a record. Like when you have gear and stuff that, that you have to do something for it to come alive. There's there's this inner like old this, keyboards this where they have to like warm yeah. up and they're yeah. out of tune when they're warming up. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and they can go out of tune. You're like, isn't that an electric piano? Like, <laughs> right, right. It's hilarious. It's out of tune though. What do you guys feel about? Okay, so I'm I'm going to bring up a very interesting uh, topic of conversation here. It's about bending, bending on the guitar. Okay, um, have you noticed that modern players who bend? sound nothing like people in the past who been and this is obvious because they're two different sets of people but do you guys remember listening to the records in the 60s 70s and and totally the 80s too but the 60s and 70s guys had this bend that you would i mean listen to angus young no guy bends like him or or any of those rock bands at the time they would bend and all the vibrato. They have that like, uh, and Slash has it too. It's like this frantic vibrato. Dude. Their vibrato is like, <laughs> where like a modern vibrato is like, wow, wow, wow. It's like very different. It's you know? hard, I feel like, for a lot of modern cats to emulate that. Like you hear a lot of great guys playing, man. Um, uh, if you listen to a lot of some of the more gent metal guys, their bending doesn't really have a lot of that well, sauce. And I, I would argue, you know, and, I, and not, I like gent metal, you know, especially like like Periphery. They're but great. but aside from periphery, going to a lot of just like more of your like mainstream like metal screamo kind of By stuff. By the way, side those note solos, on that, Meshuggah yeah. has a new album. Out. Oh, oh I am thirst. I think was they're, one of the. They're uh, I think the Godfathers of Gent. But back to your point. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, a lot of those solos don't speak speak to me personally. I they was just, actually about to say something. They just similar, yeah yeah. The, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this actually yeah. like, and I totally agree. I think and there's and it's interesting. There's nothing. It's a weird juxtaposition, and maybe I'm yeah. out of line saying this, but a lot of these modern metal guitar players in particular are stupid good players oh, yeah. with almost no ability to improvise. Yeah. It seems. Now, of course, there's exceptions. But like Jason Richardson, for example, he's, he's said many times that improvisation is a, is a weak point of his, and he's been trying to work on it, and he's sent you know videos on Instagram and stuff, like working on my improv and stuff. But then he'll like play stuff and it, you know that's insane that no one else can play. And it's like, well, you know... That's an interesting juxtaposition of being of being so good at one thing and you know not as good at another. Yeah. When you feel like it, would, it should kind of be more even, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. like you'd at least be decent at improving, like, you know. But it's like, uh, and a lot of the guys from uh, Protest the Hero and stuff like that, I've I've noticed similar things where they play ridiculously complicated stuff, but as soon as they get outside of that box, they kind of they struggle. It, it seems right. to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know everything about them as a player. Maybe I'm wrong. But. What's that Polyphia guy again? Who's who's like Tim Henson? Yeah, Tim yeah. Henson. Yeah, and uh, his approach to he, he called he called the the bends that you were talking about, Mikey. Um, oh, the boomer bends. Yeah, the boomer bends. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah, yeah. I Definitely. thought I laughed pretty hard. A lot of people, a lot of the new metal guys actually do like shit on that, uh, like the older style, like you know. Yeah, the the old guys shit on the new style, like oh he's not playing with feel, he's just shredding, this is all garbage. And that's, the new guys who are shredding are like, ah, oh, well, you're just blues facing and holding a note. Like, that's just as dumb. Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's cool and all, but I mean, you know, how many records have ACDC or any of these compared yeah. to comparatively? I sold? think it I think it just comes down to a point of like, what do you want to do? Like, yeah. It doesn't matter what I think about what you're doing. What do you want to do? Then just keep doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I can hate it. That's fine. A, I don't like it. That's whatever. I'm you not know, saying I hate it. Like, I just, you know. you know, if I had a choice to listen to something, I, I kind of like that more just like that raw fighting the guitar sound like like you know and think, making it work yeah i think if we zoom out even more it's it's more about um in the past older and this is going to keep funneling down mm-hmm. you had less bands who appealed to more people yeah and as more people exist and more technologies exist you have way more bands who appeal to way less people yeah so like we're not going to have another rolling stones Oh no, that's gone. Like that'll ne- never be another rock band. I hope I'm wrong. I hope like five years from now somebody plays this clip and is like, oh, fucking idiot. Yeah. But uh, 
There's not going to be another band like Rolling Stones or Aerosmith who come out right now in 2022 and, and sell stadiums like by themselves. Yeah. Not not as part of a festival or a group of 10 bands. Even Motley Crue's going out with Motley Crue and like six other people like and they're doing stadiums. But it's like six bands like Def Leppard, Jones, like all, like all these bands. Yeah. And it's even them like because there's so much music to listen to now. It's like now I can go listen to like country tech death. If I'm in the mood and like me and 12 other people love this one band, you <laughs> know, sounds great, actually. and then we can go listen to like, you know, 80s pop retro fusion jazz and like, sweet, let's listen to that band now. Me and these 12 other people. And there's no overlap between the 12 people. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and man. it's just that across the board with like so many different options now. And you sh- you're going to always have the pop artists that appeal to a lot of people. Yeah. Taylor yeah. Swift, Ed Sheeran, whatever. But, oh, yeah. um, it's kind of seems to like funnel down more, you know? Yeah, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely get that. I guess I'm just selfish. I just want to hear more guitar players, uh, bring the balance, bring those two together, uh, to bring the next future evolution of guitar playing, you know, taking the, uh, the soul that these players had when they had to fight their guitar with less technology compression than we do today with the modern technology. And trust me, there are some guys doing it. I'm not saying there's guys not doing it. It's just, there's just like these almost different camps. And I think the future of guitar playing, we're all guitar players, you know, so is is bringing all What if there's less soul because there's less hard times? I mean, we went through the pandemic. That was pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that'll make people bend better. Yeah. That's a yeah. great point. <laughs> I fucking hate everything. I'm going to fucking bite this guitar. I'm going to bend so fucking fast, yeah. dude. I cough so much. <laughs> man, COVID hit, man. We have those uh, those COVID benders now, COVID man. bends now. Yeah, man. You, you mentioned uh, Greg Howe earlier. And, and yes, another thing I just thought of when... Um, one thing I asked him is because I can always tell when it's Greg Howe. I've, I've heard tracks where there's 10 guitar players soloing. Yeah. No video. And I'm like, there's Greg. Like, 100%, <laughs> out bro. of the 10. Like, I don't know any of the others, but there's Greg Howe. And um, I asked him, I was like, what makes, what makes, like, how did you get there? How did you get to the point where I know it's you? And, um, which I think is actually one of the highest compliments you can receive as a guitar player. Like, oh, I know it's you. Yeah. And um, he actually said that one of the things that really helped him is he, he sat in his room learning Eddie Van Halen licks Mm. Uh, without YouTube or anything, and he had no idea Eddie was tapping. He had no idea what that was. So he was just sitting here, like, learning these stupid hard ways to play this pretty easy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, once you know you can do this, it's not incredibly difficult. Totally. But if you didn't know that was an option, like... Oh, forget it. <laughs> once you yeah. realize your secret weapon's the middle finger... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I felt it, though. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Give me more. Give me more of that. <laughs> and so Greg was learning all this ridiculous ways to play this stuff, and he said it just made him, like kind of develop interesting ways to do things. Yeah. And then he saw a video of him playing and was like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. Like, what? <laughs> this is nothing. Like- yeah. <laughs> hey, that's the third time. Okay, we're gonna have an yeah. issue here. No, just kidding. But, um, you know, uh, it's when Michael Jackson, too, was like, I need a little bit more bend. I need yeah. a little more sauce there. That's when he developed his signature. That vibrato, Brian. yep. God, so good. Yeah, he said, up a minor third, down a, a minor second. Oh, really? That kind of, uh, you know, Classical violin, oh. glissando. Oh, you taught me something new. Intervallically. <coughs> I, I, you know, you hear it in a couple of my solos too, like, like when I do. I love that, man. But I, I just start like kind of half steps up and down and then get wider until yeah. it dies. You know what I mean? Dude, his, his is so controlled and it's, but it sounds so like chaotic and it's really hard to do. Like, yeah. it's really hard to do. He'll just land a needle, needle, Like, you're like, whoa, dude. Like, yeah, you have to have almost like real fresh strings to do it. Like, yeah. if your strings are old at all, like, it doesn't work very well. See, he used the flat radius necks during the time, and I think that's where the Ibanez thing kind of sparked. He played those Lagunas for a long time. I had that's two right. of them. Really? Not, a, not of his signature model, but I had a couple of the lesser models. They were cool. Nice. They were cool guitars. Not the highest quality. His signature model was the highest quality one. Nice. Now he has the, um, is he with Charvel? I know Ooh. Guthrie Govan is. Yeah, totally. I know Guthrie is, too. I'm not um, sure about him. Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, I know he plays uh, D.B. Mark and Kiesel. Kiesel. That's, that's right. That's who it is. Right. Yeah. Totally. But he still was totally able to even on those radius necks that are flatter with yeah. the Floyd situation, he was able to have that level of soul that didn't need so much bending, but when he did bend, it still had that sauce. Yeah. He just, the way he throws his lines, it's it's not just shredding. They, they sound like horn lines, jacked up with a lot of gain and with you know whammy bar control and the yeah. way he can bend the pitch is just something that made him such a unique player and had that level of soul mixing the virtuosity of the Van Halen camps neoclassical guys you know with these old school kind of uh, yeah you know, makes me think of Alex Hutchings too he's one of those kind of identifiable like under the radar guys 
So uh, he's kind of YouTube famous amongst like kind of the shredder like um, fusion jazz um, improv type 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 cats. But yeah, nice. There's a few guys I can always tell. I can always tell Slash, Greg Howe, and Paul Gilbert. Yeah, I can usually tell those three. Those three. Um, Steve Eye's pretty recognizable as well. Absolutely. Just because if you hear something that you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's insane. That's yeah. Steve Eye usually. Like, mm-hmm. It's just like, did an alien just start playing? Like, I don't even know. Those, those aren't guitar sounds. That like, new video he came out with a couple days ago is badass. He's playing like three different guitars. Oh, that new thing he created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got like a bass on the bottom. Yeah, it's got like half necks Some and open stuff. strings yeah. on the top, almost acoustic Ridiculous, dude. You called it the Hydra or something like that? Yeah, What's yeah. Called? Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. crazy name. Yeah. 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 Anyway, he's always pushing the envelope. But but it's interesting. An interesting thing to note about him is he always pushes the envelope here before here. Yeah. So he always said he thinks about something first, and then he'll try to pick it out. He's never he never just like noodles. He's a composer, at least man. not anymore. Like, yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to spend a week with him and get in, get inside his brain a little bit, and that's one of the biggest things I took away is he's it all starts here, and then he puts it to his hands. The universe is mental, man. It's a great axiom. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. Everything originates essentially in the mind. And that's why I said earlier, he's a composer. That's the composer's mind. You know, we we like to get trapped in boxes, you know, Yeah. and everything. And we think everything sounds the same because we're stuck in the same boxes. And like, you have to kind of, he thinks about things differently. He said, you know, he'll think about a technique. Like one time he thought about, you know, we like to slide into notes. What if we slid backwards? And he said, he then wrote a whole song with just that. Nice. And just like, obviously never released it because who would want to hear that? But <laughs> like he thinks about something and then is like, okay, let me work on that till yeah. I exhaust this mine of of intel and then move on to the next thing. And he's done that throughout his whole life with all these different things. So of course he has just this stupid vocabulary of things to pull from that you I always, and I are just like, I would never have thought of that. Like, yeah, exactly, like, I would never have done that. Yeah, like, just pushing the envelope always. Yeah, there was that tune he came up with. I think maybe last year, year and a half ago, knapsack. Mm-hmm. The guy had like tendonitis. He got surgery on his hands, and he proceeded to have a cast in his right hand and compose a whole tune just playing it left hand legato. It mm-hmm. was just genius, you know. Uh, yeah, you haven't checked that one out. That's that's pushing the envelope forward. This is another thing. I love that because that reminds me of another thing I remember Greg Howe said. Greg Howe dropping wisdom bombs, man. Nice. He said that a lot of times our, our styles arise out of our limitations. So, so true. you know, I can't do this, so I'm going to do this. And now that's my thing, you know, and that's kind of him with the, I can't do the tapping because I didn't know that was a thing. So I do this now. And now that's why I sound like Greg Howe. So we kind of become ourselves through what we can't do as much as what we can do. Which is kind of cool. And here comes the quest of identity that we were talking about earlier. Yep. Accepting yourself, allowing yourself to be the person who you are. You know, if you have your sound, stick with it. Unapologetically be yourself. Know your limitations, know your strengths, rock with your strengths. Boom. And that's what I think you guys are doing. That's why I've been the rhythm guitar for both of you cats. That's it, dude. <laughs> that's it for the fucking regular listeners. It's not going to get better than that. Beautiful. It's VIP time. We'll see you guys next time. See you guys. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for watching the latest episode of your new favorite band. This is the end of the free content. But if you want to unlock the full uncut versions of every episode, head over to lamaybe.com slash VIP and sign up for our membership. For $7 a month, you'll get extended episodes of our podcast, a bonus episode every month, plus exclusive merch. You'll also be supporting us and helping us continue to stay on the road and make new music. And for that, we're eternally grateful. So thank you.